0: Hey everyone i'm so excited to share our podcast has been nominated in boise weekly's annual best of boise contest and while it's an honor to be nominated i have to admit it would be even more fun to win if we've helped you connect to the city you love go to the link in the show notes to vote for us by may 23rd thanks boise Today on CityCast Boise, Boise's vibe could change big time if the city's new zoning code goes through. Some say it will bring more affordable housing and neighborhood cafes, but others are worried that Boise won't be recognizable anymore. Idaho Statesman reporter Ian Max Stevenson is breaking down the once-in-a-generation changes that could be coming. It's Monday, April 24th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise is talking about. Hi, Ian. Welcome to CityCast Boise.
1: Hey, Emma. Thanks for having
0: me. So this huge zoning code rewrite is happening. uh, But before we get into it, for people who don't know, what the hell is a zoning code anyway? Like, Can you give me some examples?
1: Yeah, so I think zoning sounds boring to a lot of people, but my pitch to your listeners is that it's actually a super important thing in in cities because it zoning basically dictates the fabric, the look, and the feel of what a city looks like and feels like to live in. It's what allows certain types of buildings to be built in some neighborhoods and not others. It's what allows malls to be built, restaurants to be built, coffee shops to be built, tall buildings downtown, uh, more residential neighborhoods in other parts of the city. And so uh, when people think about what kind of development is or is not occurring, zoning is basically the framework behind that that dictates where different things can be built. So it's it's really important to to a city and how it feels.
0: And it's been like 60 years since the last one was written, so it's time, right? Like, why did it take so long to update? Boise has definitely changed a lot in 60 years.
1: Yeah, uh, I think one reason it took a while is that it's a pretty big undertaking. This zoning code rewrite process has been in the works for about three years. That's how long city staff has been working on it. And what they've produced is over 600 pages. Another reason also is that Boise has been changing over the last few decades. I think there's sort of a general feeling that some of the adverse effects of some of that change have been accelerating in recent years. For instance, housing affordability and people having trouble finding places to live that they can afford on their incomes is really something that I think has gotten a lot more um, out of control in recent years. And I think uh, the city sort of sees this zoning code rewrite as tied to that problem.
0: I'm curious, how much of this draft has like the fingerprints of City Hall or like the mayor's staff on it? And how much is like from what the public wants? Like, is this Mayor McLean's zoning code or is this like the people of Boise's zoning code?
1: One thing I can say about that is that when the mayor started this process back in 2020, she put together a citywide advisory committee that's built up of different residents from across the city. And so they've been part of A number of meetings with city staff where they've talked through some of the issues that are in this code. And at the same time, the city's been throughout that process. They've done a couple of drafts uh, and then presented that draft to the public and then gotten some feedback on it. So there has been some interplay between the city and residents. But at the end of the day, it is put together by city staff um, and the city's planning director.
0: Interesting. Well, we know a lack of affordable housing is like the, an absolute crisis in Boise. And I'm wondering how the current draft, which isn't the final draft, we should say, where do incentives come from that make affordable housing a priority, like in the code?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question. So I think for one thing, Boise thinks that there's a supply issue. I think one of the reasons they think housing has gotten so expensive is just that there aren't enough units available. And so when more people come in, the price goes up. Um, And so one of the things that this code would do is it would bring, it would allow more density in residential areas. What that means is where you now see a bunch of single family homes separated from each other along a street, you might get a larger building that's got two, three or four units in it. uh, And you also might get houses that are built closer together. And within that, this code has some, an incentive structure that the city's put together it would say to a developer, basically, hi, developer, you want to build more density. OK, if you want to do that, you can do that. But you have to designate some of the units within that project that you're going to build as affordable. And there are definitions of affordability that come from the federal government. And so this would be a requirement of for renting 80 percent area median income is what it's called or less.
0: OK, OK. Are these incentives just going to basically benefit renters like I'm a renter, probably always will be. But who knows? So like, what about renters who want to become homeowners but feel shut out of the market now?
1: It's probably correct to say that a lot of the benefits that the city wants to see in terms of affordability are more geared toward renters. Renters tend to be lower income people than, than homeowners do. But I, I will say that, uh, as I mentioned, the this would allow, for instance, lot sizes to be smaller in residential areas. So in a place where you now see one home, you could instead see a couple of smaller homes. Smaller homes tend to be less expensive. And the incentive structure that the city's putting together, it would also have affordability tied to um, the area median income. It'd be a little bit higher standard, 120% of area median income instead of 80%. So that's not technically affordable housing, but it is limited, uh, limited a bit versus what you might just get out on the open market.
0: So let's talk density. So actually, first, can you remind me what the terms uh, YIMBY and NIMBY mean, like, and how they come into play with these density questions?
1: Yeah, so I think these are terms that have come about in recent years, as people have begun to sort of see patterns in how residents in a city or a town respond to different types of development. NIMBY basically means not in my backyard. That's a reaction. and, And it refers usually in a kind of derogatory sense, to people who are sort of responding negatively to changes like uh, denser housing, or perhaps a homeless shelter, or even industrial development, because it's in their neighborhood. They basically say, I don't want to see that kind of project in my neighborhood for a number of reasons. YIMBY on the other hand, stands for yes in my backyard. And that tends to refer to people who want to see changes like more density because They think that it will have larger benefits in the long run.
0: So the folks who could be described as NIMBYs, do they just not want change at all? Like on the surface, it sounds like they're wealthy homeowners who are like, I don't want affordable housing put up in my neighborhood because they're not interested having, you know, like you said, the homeless shelters, like they don't want to have low income folks in their neighborhood. But is that not like a fair characterization?
1: I think it's I think it's complicated. I think there are people who might oppose this for this change these changes for some of those reasons. Um, I think that people often also like the quote unquote feel of their neighborhood. Uh, and that can be tied to a number of things. Maybe it's that there are small houses, maybe it's that there are um, how the street looks. Um, and so I think a lot of people fear when when you talk about upzoning, which generally refers to when zoning code laws are changed to allow more density, People worry that that's just going to kind of change how their neighborhood feels to them. Um, And I think there's also some people who um, are a little concerned about this zoning code rewrite because they worry that it might do things like result in older housing that tends to be more affordable, getting torn down and having newer housing built in or put in instead of that. And so I think there are sort of a number of concerns that people have related to liking things how they are, liking aspects of things, how they look and not wanting them to change.
0: Do you think that generational differences are kind of playing out in this draft? Um, Like is Boise trying to be more friendly to millennials and Gen Z with this code? Because it's really hard to be a young person out there because of housing. I'm kind of just like dealing with the idea that my kids are going to live with me indefinitely because how would they ever move out? You know, how are they going to afford anything?
1: It's definitely the case that a lot of younger people, I know a lot of younger people in Boise who have trouble finding and affording housing um, and young people tend to make less money than people as they get older. And I think also young people in some ways might be more open to change um, because if you think about the history of, of zoning, basically since the middle of last century when the US highway system was built out, sort of the suburban car-centric development is something that, is something that we've seen across a lot of cities like Boise and elsewhere. And so I think that's what a lot of um, older generations, that's what what they grew up with. That's what they're sort of used to seeing. And that's how they are used to experiencing a city. If you have to drive everywhere, for instance, to get from your house to work or your house to amenities that you need, that that results in more greenhouse gas emissions and things like that. I think that that's maybe something that young people are uh, starting to be more attuned to as well.
0: Something I loved in your article in the Idaho Statesman uh, that I thought was really interesting is this thing about neighborhood cafes. In other cities, every neighborhood has like a coffee shop and restaurants and bars that kind of like define that neighborhood. And it encourages people to like walk and bike from there and form their own little like mini communities within their neighborhoods. And Boise is super behind on this. And I was surprised in your article to see that people are against that idea. Some people, I should say some people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Those used to be really common if um, actually in... If you go to, I think it's Elm Grove Park in Boise's North End, there's a little plaque that has a map of places where there used to be neighborhood markets all over. Most of those have gone away, gone away, and a large part of that is because uh, they're not allowed. Uh, in most residential neighborhoods, you can build houses and you can't build um, commercial. What the new zoning code would do is it would allow some of those neighborhood cafes to be built in residential neighborhoods, and they would have to have limited hours, and they would still have to be pretty small. If you're familiar with like the Roosevelt market in the East End, I think that's some, something that the city was looking at as sort of a model. And they could, yeah, they could serve things like coffee, they could have deli counters uh, and things like that. I think the concerns uh, from from neighbors are probably related to things like noise, uh, things like busyness, traffic on streets. And so I think the city has tried to respond to that a little bit by requiring that they have limited hours.
0: Mm. Do you think that like, will that make the neighborhoods more lively? Like, I think I think that sounds wonderful. I mean, I live in West Boise. There's not really anything like you got your Costco and your Walmart, but we don't have like neighborhood uh, amenities like that. And I think that sounds like it would make things really, really more fun in a lot of spots that are sort of just barren (laughs) right now.
1: The way that cities have been laid out and the way that Boise has been laid out over the past few decades is basically you have neighborhoods and then you have somewhere else commercial areas, and then you have somewhere else, like a downtown core, and they're all separated. And so maybe when you're saying barren, there's kind of not, if, if you want to buy something like coffee or you want to get a quick bite to eat or something at the market, you have to leave your neighborhood usually. The idea here is to have more mixed use development so that you have a mix of housing and amenities so that they're kind of all together and people can walk to them or they can bike to them and they don't have to drive.
0: Well, I feel like we should mention it's an election year. So, how do politics play into the rewrite of this code?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, this code has been the code rewrite has been spearheaded by Mayor McLean and her administration. And she's up for re election in November. And there are also all the city council members who are going to be up for re election. And some people who are not happy about this rewrite have been asking for the vote on the code at the city council to be delayed until after the election. Even though the public elects city council members every four years, they kind of want that to happen again uh, before people vote on this. And another sort of complicating factor there is that as of now, of the six city council members, two of them are appointed by the mayor for for various reasons. And so those two were not elected. And so I think that's sort of another reason that some people want the council to wait until later in the year.
0: Mm, Interesting. Yeah. Well, so what's next? Like how many steps before this thing becomes a reality?
1: Hearings before Boise's Planning and Zoning Commission are scheduled for this month. Members of the public can come and testify, uh, talk about what they're worried about or what they might like about in the code. And then after that, sometime in June, it's going to go to the city council. And the city council is basically going to decide uh, whether they want to pass this code and turn it into law or, or not.
0: Well, uh, look forward to seeing what happens. This is exciting. I, I don't know if we managed to make zoning sexy, but I, I'm excited about it. I think it sounds like, like a lot of things that Boise could really use, actually. So thank you so much, Ian, for coming on and giving us the rundown on this 600-page uh, zoning update.
1: Thanks for having me, Emma. I appreciate it.
0: One more thing before we sign off. Ian has another story in the Idaho Statesman that caught my eye. This one about all those electric scooters around Boise. You know how right now there's three companies, Spin, Lime, and Bird? Well, not much longer. The city council decided that Lime will be the city's exclusive e-scooter and e-bike vendor. The company went out partly because they'll charge slightly less per minute to use their rides. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Leave us a review and subscribe to our Hey Boise newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more local stories from around the city. Bye.